Welcome to A Canadian Investing in the U.S., a podcast and YouTube channel focused on Canadians buying real estate with host Glenn Sutherland. Welcome to another episode of A Canadian Investing in the U.S. This week, my guest is Reed Goosens. Reed, you know what? I'll let you just introduce yourself. G'day, mate. Uh, thank you for having me on the show. It's uh, been a long time coming. I know we've been trying to schedule this for the last couple of weeks, but yeah. awesome to be here. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I know, uh, I know, I think I know a lot about Reed, but I'm probably missing a whole bunch of things. So Reed's an author, uh, podcast host, uh, syndicator. Uh, fill me in. What else am I missing? Uh, all around good bloke, you know, just to get <laughs> down to earth and uh, just adjusting the camera here. But yeah, just uh, all around a good bloke. Yeah, very, very, in the very similar niche to you, mate, uh, investing in the United States, being a foreigner. But I, I moved to you about six or seven years ago. So uh, ch- chasing love. And, and never and never left. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's talk about the story. How did uh, so? Were you doing uh, real estate in Australia before you came? Actually, maybe we should we should say that he is an Australian yeah. who is investing in the United States. For those who uh, aren't familiar with Reed, um, but yeah. So, uh, were you investing in Australia before you came over to the US? Yeah, good, good question. No, I wasn't, but I was def- I picked up the book Rich Dad Poor Dad. Um, if we rewind the clock even further. Uh, before I moved to the United States, I moved in early 2012. If we rewind even further, I, uh, my background is in structural engineering. Um, I had the pleasure of uh, working across the globe. I worked in the London Olympic Games back in uh, 2008. Uh, then, then spent a year in the south of France, gallivanting around, having an incredible time backpacking. That's where I met my, my girlfriend, mm-hmm. who now is my wife. She happened to be American. And um, when I got back from that incredible trip away, I... I I was sitting at my desk, probably like a lot of your listeners and thinking to myself, what the hell am I doing? I feel like a very small cog in the, in the, in the, in the, the wheel of life and slash a company. And, um, I, 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 something was screaming out to me. I, I had this, I've got this analogy of like, I was a sort of, I felt like a star athlete sitting on the sidelines, watching the game of life go by. And I really wasn't partaking in it. So picked up the book, book, rich dad, poor dad, uh, from there, was just like, this is exactly what I needed. You know, I, I didn't know what an entrepreneur really was. And from that point, I sort of put two and two together, you know, realizing that I was working in the engineering space, working on a lot of ground up construction developments, um, rubbing shoulders in my, in my day job with other developers. And from that was like, hey, I've got to get into this real estate space. And, and, and I started, you know, attending the, the REARS or the real estate investment clubs in Australia. Um, but then still ultimately had a a really big passion to move to the United States, which is what we ultimately end up doing uh, back in 2012. So in a nutshell, that's, that's a little bit of the story. I know that you came over here and you started in some smaller multis off the start. And I believe uh, if my memory is right, was it New York or uh, upstate New York, Syracuse, just actually South of uh, the border there, mate, where where you are up in uh, (laughs) (laughs) Toronto and Montreal and Quebec, you can get straight across the border there. So yeah. Yeah, I've been to Syracuse before. Um, so then after that, you switched markets. And what, 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 why did you switch markets? Why did you not stick with Syracuse? Yeah, look, for me, the, the big thing was when I first moved to the United States, I just had to get my feet wet. And obviously, New York City living in, in the Big Apple was very expensive. I couldn't afford it. I was fresh off the boat. I didn't have any credit. I couldn't get a loan. So I had to find an, uh, a market that was affordable. Syracuse was that market. But ultimately, it turned out to be... A good learning curve, but not necessarily something that I was going to make a ton of long-term wealth uh, in the in you know the next ten to twenty years. It was a sort of a stable market, um, but then I got really into 
syndications and actually through a good Canadian fellow friend of mine, he, he, he sort of shone the light on the syndication world. Um, but to answer your original question, the reason I moved on was just the more the fundamentals of what, you know, I was more educated about growth and GDP and affordability indexes and all that sort of stuff uh, to then look at other markets around the country. If you don't mind me asking, what who was the Canadian folk that you were... Uh... I got a couple of deals under my belt and um, he started talking to me about this deal that he'd put together with his friends and family. You know, a couple of buddies of his and, and his, I think his mum and dad threw in a little bit of money and they were able to buy, a, a, I think, a $2 million 70, 70 units um, in upstate BC and British Columbia for those Canadian listeners out there. Yeah. And... Um, Multifamily exists in Canada, unlike coming from Australia, where multifamily just doesn't exist flat out. Like the may, the biggest thing you could probably buy in Australia would maybe be a sixplex, but to go out and buy 30, 40, 70 units, 100 units just just it wasn't possible. So he he explained, he walked me through the situation of how he got a mentor uh, through just you know being a good guy and and you know able to convince some friends on on this deal. They were able to put down. Uh, about a half a million bucks and he was able to get the seller of the deal to carry back the note uh, so he was able to get into a commercial deal pretty pretty you know easily yeah. but at the, yeah. at the time I didn't know anything about this and he was talking about other people's money and yada 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 and mentors and I was like okay I had a couple of houses under my belt I think I was flipping a house in Philadelphia I was like I need to take my you know if Scott can do it I need to be able to do it and I, I, I up my game and, and that's where I got a mentor and started getting involved in the syndication world. Oh, okay. So it's a Scott guy. Named Scott Reese. So, uh, oh, yeah, okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so you first mentioned back there, uh, I just caught a glimpse of it. You said something about financing, right? So mm -hmm. when you first mm -hmm. came to the US, you had, you, you had to tackle financing, just like I'm tackling financing. Maybe, um, I guess, what were the big challenges and then how did you get through them? Where'd you find? Financing? Yeah. So good, good question. Um, so Probably, I don't know in your shoes, but or, or people that listen to your show, if you are outside the United States, it makes it a little bit harder. I was inside the United States, so I had a social security right. number, but I had no credit. And I didn't even know what a credit score was when I first moved here. <laughs> so, so what I did was I, I found a place that I could ultimately buy all cash. And I did. I bought it for 48, 50,000 bucks, put like seven or eight grand into it. And it was a little triplex yep. in, up, in Syracuse. Over a period of about six months, I was I used I went to a local bank and, and I opened up um, a bank account there when I first bought the asset, yeah. and I was depositing checks into that bank account, and I was proving to them that I could, you know, I, this thing was making money, you know, and it was for a period of time. And so at that point, I was able to approach them, and because the property wasn't that expensive, I could get a, uh, apply for a line of credit, and essentially that ended up being 50 percent of what I put into the property. So I could able, I think I took like 30 grand out and I was able to put that towards another asset and, you know, buy, buy deal number two. And after a period of time, about 12 months, I built up that credit and was able to get loans and stuff like that. So really at the initial stages, it was working with local banks, not the big four, uh, not, not the big four, not the big banks, sort of local yeah. credit unions to able to show them through a purchase that I bought all cash uh, that I could refi some money out of it through a, a line of credit and, uh, and, and my income. So, that answers that part of the question. I'm sure there's going to be, there's many, and I speak a lot of times to international investors about how international people can get uh, loans in the United States. I'm sure we can talk a lot about that as well for the next half an hour or so. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. No, I, I actually went through the same thing myself. And uh, what I always tell people is they're just search around for programs that are, have a foreign national program. Cause there's lots of banks that 
are offering it now. I think TD Bank as well, isn't it? Uh, that's a Canadian. It, it, it is in Canada, and that, that will offer cross-border um, yes. for, for the Canadian investors. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, TD, uh, BMO Harris, and yep. RBC Bank. But uh, TD Bank only does a certain states down on the east. Uh, but uh, anyway. <laughs> also HSBC, for just, just want to throw that in there, HSBC. It's more of a global bank, but they do have an offer a program for those folks listening who may not be in Canada. Um, I know some of, some of my Australian clients were able to prove a net worth of a certain amount and they were able to leverage their existing portfolios in their home countries um, hmm. to buy stuff here in the United States. Just a little tidbit for you. So, yeah. I love that. I love tidbits. And I, I actually, I have never, I haven't even approached HSBC. I've been in their bank before, but I haven't actually uh, you talked do, to them about financing. You, you yeah. do have to have a, 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 either a net worth or a portfolio over a million bucks. So okay. it, it is, it is a bit of an entry. It's not just, not everyone can just do it, but if you have yeah. some high net worth individuals on your show or listening, I'm sure they can, they can qualify. Awesome. So I know you are a syndicator. Why, mm-hmm. why syndication? Why, uh, why not uh, continue doing, <clears throat> sorry, why not continue doing like uh, the fourplexes or even single family? Yeah, look, scale, ultimately scale. It's, it's, um, I, I, I got to a point where I was tapped out with loans I could buy. I was still working a full-time job and I had maybe three or four little assets, probably worth maybe half a million bucks in total um, with about maybe 50 to 60% leverage on that thing. So I still hadn't escaped, uh, got to financial freedom that where I was comfortable, my, my financial freedom number. Yep. And so, you know, like the Facebooks of the world, the Googles, those founders, Mark Zuckerberg wasn't just sitting on a, you know, a mountain of cash. He needed to go out and raise money to, for, for his idea to get people involved in his Facebook group. And essentially they've become, you know, the biggest social media group in the world. So yeah. in that same mindset, I, he was able to leverage other people's money to grow Facebook. I need to leverage other people's money to grow my brand and my business. And, and together we profit, right? I profit and so do my investors because I have the ability to find uh, really good deals but my investors don't necessarily have the time nor the energy to go out and and find those deals. They may enjoy their job, but they want to get their money working for them. So it's sort of a win-win situation for both, both parties. And and that's why syndication exists. And that's why co-investing exists to Facebook's Google's Yahoo's, you know um, you know, anything like that. So that's, it's really the power of other people's money to help get to uh, from point A to point B. So, yeah. Yeah. And then for yours, are you doing accredited only? Uh, we do accredited and unaccredited. Uh, we do five okay. or six B and, and I'm going to get in some terminology that you five or six, the, the, we, in the syndication world uh, here in the United States is a thing called the security exchange commission. And they, they, they're really set up to make sure that people don't aren't loan sharks or out ripping people off. So they develop these regulations uh, that, that you can go and, and uh, raise money from private individuals for small yep. businesses that can um that you can you know both profit together without having to go quote unquote public so a 506b for bravo means if you ever hear that um it means it's a combination of both unaccredited and accredited investors if you hear 506c for charlie it's only accredited investors so if you're looking at accreditate if you're looking at syndications make sure you ask is it 506b or is it 506c and you'll be able to determine that if you can get involved in the deal or not I know that like uh, I've had like, I think you're the fifth syndicator I've had on the show. So I know that only one of them I've had so far, it has been open to uh, unaccredited investors. So is there more hoops to jump through by having unaccredited people involved? 
Not, not necessarily more hoops, it's just that you can't advertise. Um, we are definitely going to shift to accredited only in the future. Um, unaccredited does open you up to some level of risk uh, because you have to really make sure that they know what they're talking about um, or they, they understand the, the real estate investment deal. Um, they need to be of sophisticated knowledge. That's why I, you know, myself personally, I'm a thought leader. I, I have books, I have podcasts, I have blog articles, I do in-person events. So when I meet those sophisticated investors, those unaccredited investors, I can educate them about the benefits of investing in, in, in real estate. Now, um, I, I, I will always make sure that they are of a sophisticated nature. Um, the, the, the unaccredited and accredited is just really, uh, for those people out there who might not know, it's just a line in the sand that the SEC draws to say, if you're not earning more than X amount of money or you're not worth a certain amount, then you, you are classified as an unaccredited investor. Um, however, I've got doctors and lawyers who, uh, who are investors in my deals who earn a lot of money and nowhere near as sophisticated as some of the people who may only earn $150,000 or $170,000 a year. And, and you would think that would be accredited, but it's not. Um, the accreditation status starts at two hundred dollars or more uh, in, in any fiscal year. So yeah, that's the, the reason we do it is just to allow those folks to get involved, um, uh, low barriers to entry and get involved in some real estate deals, but they have to be known to the sponsor. You can't be just anyone off the street from the pub or, you know, from, you know, you have to be known to that sponsor or that, that, that syndicator, um, to be allowed into the deal. There must be, there must be um, some track record or some paper trail showing that you have a, you have a knowledge of each other and as you've developed it over a period of time. Okay, so then uh, for raising money, then uh, you can't advertise. So, how do you go and meet all the? How do you meet your investors then? Good, good question. Through doing things like this, podcasting, through doing my own podcast, through people reading my books, through someone hearing about me uh, at a uh, at a meetup event, I've might have spoken on stage, and from that, people then reach out to me and say, "Hey, Reid, I really like what you're doing. Can we you mind meeting up for coffee? We usually meet up for coffee or online chat." Um, they will be on my email list. They may get some some content. Um, they may see a deal uh, that I, that I have. Uh, you know, they'll, they'll, because it's a private list, right? You're not everyone yep. can just get on it. Um, and through that, they might be interested, but ultimately not not in, not engage in that particular deal. But there's always going to be the next one. And and I always encourage people to you know just try before you buy. You know, like come get come and get involved and see get on our investment webinars when we do have a deal, um, understand what a PPM is, understand how we, we offer, you know, the different structures that we offer. And then over a period of time, people can develop that trust and transparency, uh, so trust and credibility. And that along can then make sure them happy to invest in, in, in my deal. So it, it goes again back to making sure you're building that, um, that rapport, that, that, that friendship, if, if some would say, to, to you know, make sure that you, you qualify and tick all the boxes. Cool. And then uh, where do you find your deal? Sorry, we'll, we'll word this correctly. Where do you find your cracking deals? <laughs> <laughs> Very good question. Uh, look, mate, it's becoming bloody hard uh, right now in this, in this market. I was just in Texas over the weekend looking at a deal and we actually just lost out by, um, by the, we, we thought we had it. We were on the best and final call with the seller the other day and um, we lost to another bigger group that came in and just blew us out of the water. But you know, the, 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 you, you win some, you lose some. Um, but back to your question, with commercial real estate, we the you know yellow letters can work for smaller stuff. When you're getting over a hundred units, you're in the commercial realm. Those sellers are pretty sophisticated, uh, so they're going to go through brokers because brokers are going to be able to get them the best bang for their for their property. Um, so really, bro broker relationships is really where we get most of our deal flow from. 
if anyone is getting wanting to get involved in a syndication, um, you, you know, you got to ask yourself, what is a syndication going to do for you? And and you know, the, the number one thing would probably be time. You may be a busy professional, um, working a day job, having a family life, and you just don't have the ability to go out and find even a small triplex or a quad or a ten unit. Even though the idea you might want to do that, but you still don't ever ultimately get your money working for you. So to those folks. Um, interview as many syndicators as you can get on investment webinars, get on people's email list, ask them for an example, uh, you know, investment summary memorandum, which is just, you know, an offer a summary. It's, it's not the actual PPM, but it's just a, you know, high level uh, review of the deal. Understand how they're structuring the deal. Ask them questions. Uh, if they're not willing to answer your questions in an open, transparent way, then maybe they're not worth, you know, worth working with. Um, for those other folks who, who want to be a syndicator one day, you really got to look at how you build your influence, your sphere of influence. And I talked that a lot about on my show. Um, you know, we're not all need to be the next Tony Robbins of the world or the, the Tim Ferrisses, but you can uh, build a, a good email list by, you know, becoming a thought leader in your immediate space. Now, when I got started, I was a structural engineer. People were like, what the hell are you doing raising money for real estate? And I had to change people's mindset. I had to be, I had to start, I had to start the podcast. I had to start the blog writing. I had to start showing people that I was providing quality content so they could start learning from that. And then over a period of time, those those really good cracking contents, as I call them, yeah. that can then that can snowball into being an a potential investor who can then come into it to a deal. So the two different folks, the ones that would just want to be a limited partner and hands off and you know, make sure you're interviewing a lot of syndicators and the other people who want to actively be operators and syndicators, you really need to start building out your key person of influence status in your sphere. Again, you don't have to be the Tony Robbins of the world. There's a lot of people on your phone that I'm sure can, can introduce you to people or refer you to people. And that's how you're going to get started. Um, you're not going to go out and do a 200 unit deal to start off with. If you're, if you want to be an operator, you're going to probably start at a 10 to 20 unit. Um, and maybe you raise from three or four people that you that's still a syndication. Um, so you just want to have baby steps and, and work towards those bigger and bigger deals as, uh, as time goes on. And, and I'm proof that I moved to this country that did not have any deal, you know, real estate investing experience per se. I, I didn't go to school here. My family wasn't here. I had to completely start my network from scratch. And over the last six and a half years, I've, you know, I don't say this to brag, but, um, I now control over $100 million worth of multifamily real estate in the United States. And it just to show, goes to show that it can be done um, starting from nothing. So I hope that inspires a few people out there listening to the show. I think it will. So yeah, there's joint ventures. There's Regulation D, which is the syndication stuff for, for the United States. Um, for your listeners internationally, there's also Regulation S for, for Sam. Um, and that is a little bit, and I've never done one, but it's only for international investors syndicating from international folks for a US-based deal. They are a little bit less, and I would say they, the SEC is a little bit looser around the stipulations and the hoops you've got to jump through because the SEC is, uh, the SEC is worried about American citizens. They don't really, and this is the God's honest truth, they don't really give a bloody damn about international folks. They only give a damn about the, the people who are US citizens who could be ripped off. So if anyone is interested to form a syndicate in Canada to buy US real estate, it has to all be Canadian people. It can't be some US and some Canadian people. It has to all be international. Um, look into regulation S for Sam. But back to your point, yes, you can't just raise money uh, and, and do nothing. You, you have to be um, active partner. Just, yeah. now, now, there's also on the flip side of that, a joint venture 
has some really good benefits from, for, for a lot of people. People want to learn. And I get approached all the time by people to say, hey, can we joint venture just so I can learn from you and be, you know, be active in the deal and, and really learn the ropes. There, there's, there's definitely, you can do that route and it's very powerful, um, but you have to be willing to do work rather than just raise capital. Um, there is a lot of learning that can be done from joint ventures. And I think they're a great way with a smaller group um, to really have an effect, go out and get a, you know, a smaller deal done and really share the responsibilities and along the way, learn the ropes of, of syndication and, and, and multifamily investing. So I think there's, there's, there's both. Um, and you've got to really ask yourself what's going to be ben- most beneficial for you and you know, your friends or your family. And my, my, my mate, Scott, he did a joint venture when he first did that first deal. Everyone was an equal voting member. Um, they had equal responsibilities and they, you know, you know, ultimately, yes, there's going to be some people lift their weight and who don't, but they yep. ultimately have a voting right. And that's the difference between a JV and a, and a syndication. Limited partners in the syndication don't have as much of a voting right. They're limited. That's what the LP stands for. As much in a JV where everyone has a voting right. So if you want to paint the, the building purple, well, you've got to ask everyone, do you want to paint the building purple? <laughs> so, and, and if you want to come to sell it, do we sell it? Is the right time to sell it? Is the right time to refinance? Is the right time to do X, Y, Z? That's what the difference between JV uh, and making those day-to-day business decisions is really what the SEC is looking for. And if you're contributing to those day-to-day investments, uh, those day-to-day business decisions, then that is um, more of a general uh, JV than it is, say, um, a syndication with LPs. Does that make sense? <clears throat> that made so much sense. That was uh, that was great. That was and, a- and I want to say I'm not a lawyer, but please, please, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm going to say, okay, <laughs> you consult your lawyers. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. I think if you're going to definitely want to do, I'll have at least one lawyer that's working with you if you're doing a syndication. Um, yep. Reed, that was an amazing episode. I actually learned some, like I, I learned a lot in that one. So I'm, I'm very grateful. Um, if people wanted to get a hold of you, what's the best channels to find you. Yeah, look, easiest way to find me is go to reedgoosens.com. My name is a little weird. It's R-E-E-D-G-O-O-S-S-E-N-S. You'll find all free information there. I've got a new book out about investing in the United States. I've got some free downloads. Um, There's obviously my podcast up there, a bunch of videos. Check it all out. Uh, And if anyone is coming through LA, uh, because that's where I live in Los Angeles, hit me up and um, you're through the contact me page and uh, we can go out for a beer or a coffee or lunch. So, so yeah. Perfect. I will definitely hit you up when I'm in LA next. Awesome, man. <laughs> All right. Thanks for your time, Reed. Thank you so much for having me, buddy.